Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we've got a special challenge for you, dear listener. The publishing challenge. That's what do, right. What do you think? Yeah, so <laughs> so to kind of kick off our second hundred episodes or to like, you know, commemorate the beginning of our second hundred, uh, we wanted to offer something that was more interactive and engaging for all y'all here listening to the Business of Authority. So we dreamed up this uh, five in five days publishing challenge. Yeah. So here's how it's going to work. So you publish five pieces in five days, right? And it can be writing. It can be video. It can be audio podcast, you know, whatever your game is. And then hashtag five and five so that we can see it. Right. So tweet it with your topic and then we'll retweet everyone who completes it. Okay, so everybody who completes the five and five challenge, and then we're going to put it back to you to choose your favorite, and we'll have the fan favorite on the show. Yay! That's all. Yay! I'm so excited. It'll be fun. <laughs> I know. Me too. I want to. I want to have a, a, a fan of the show on the show. Yes, that'd be great. So the timeline, though, because not everybody's probably going to hear this immediately when it goes live. Yeah, so we're thinking this episode is going to drop on October 28th. So let's do 5 and 5 through November 15th, and we're in 2019, November 15th, 2019. So that gives you three weeks to publish five days in a row. I know you can do that. Right, so you've got time to either think about it if you hear this immediately or if you don't hear it immediately hopefully you'll have five more days to participate but the key is has to be five days in a row in that within that period yes yes five days in a row and just tweet us so we can see what you're doing yeah all right so how should people get started when they're thinking about publishing on a daily basis even though you know it's just five days i mean it shouldn't be impossible folks (laughs) <laughs> but I know that it, it can seem challenging. So we should probably talk about some things to think about to prepare one's self for doing such a thing. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me, you know, you start with who and what. So who are you writing for? Boy, this sounds familiar. Have we talked about this before, Jonathan? <laughs> I, it's funny how much I talk about this because I I was just that was just a long thread in Slack uh, with a coaching student yesterday and he's like, ah, I really want to do this. We're starting to attract people that are like, I'm convinced, but I have writer's block. My experience is that if you have writer's block, you haven't picked a listener yet, or you haven't picked a reader yet. You don't know who you're talking to, or even worse, you're in the back of your mind, or maybe even the front of your mind, you're writing for Google's algorithm. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. That's a killer. Yeah. Write for a person, pick someone that you can help with your words. So if that means imagining a very specific individual, then imagine that individual and just just believe that there are other people in that individual's situation and just write it for a particular person. I wrote an entire book to my sister Tari with her as the kind of avatar, but it was a, an actual person. I was like, mm, do I need to get more technical, less technical? Well, Tari mm-hmm. would know how to click and drag, you know, or like drag something on a computer. So I don't need to describe that but she probably doesn't know CSS. So I will explain that a little bit. If you feel like you have writer's block, double check that you, you know, you really have a clear idea of who you're writing for. Yeah. And remember this is, you know, five in five days. So it's an experiment. If you have never done this before, pick an audience, you know, pick someone who's going to read this, watch this, listen to this, 
and and just kind of double down on that. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't. Right. That's a great point, which is not like you're deciding to put it, you know, what tattoo should I have on my face? It's not permanent. <laughs> so it, this is you just try it to get a feel for it. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that at the end of it, you'll be like, you know what? That wasn't that bad. I'm going to keep doing it. Maybe change direction a little bit or maybe you're maybe already you're like, wow, I got a lot of really good response from this. Maybe I should, you know, keep at it, drill in. But yeah. And the, the key to this is that you have to publish it. In other words, it has to be someplace public mm -hmm. so that people can see it and, and react to it. And it's because writing or doing, well, nobody really does videos for themselves, I don't think, but <laughs> like writing for writing for yourself just doesn't do it. You have to put it out there and at least risk feedback or it, it, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's specifically called the publishing challenge, not the writing challenge. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So doing it in public is key. And I mean, I have a performance background, so maybe this is not fair. Maybe it's confirmation bias or just it's just my bias in general. There's something very different that happens when there's an audience there than if you're just playing air guitar in the mirror. So the publishing piece is key. So don't like I, I would recommend not don't save them up for five days and tweak them and polish them and just like every day, publish, publish, publish. You know, if like if it's almost midnight and you didn't publish yet that day, crack open your laptop and, and do it. Yeah, you're not going to bed till you get that thing out. <laughs> that's right. Or we'll pop out of your computer and slap you. Come on. Well, that's that's part of what this takes is it's a discipline and then it becomes a habit. You know, when you first start, it's a discipline. It's like going on a diet. Right. But once you start doing it, it becomes a habit. And if you really enjoy it and you're getting feedback from your ideal audience, it starts to feed you. All of a sudden, it's not work. It's just it's what you do. Mm -hmm. So what can people do? I've got some suggestions, but what what do you think, Rochelle, people can do if they are uh, maybe they've picked someone that they would like to help? You know, it's not an opportuni opportunistic thing like, oh, these people are rich. I should write for them <laughs> more like. I see some people who are drowning. I can swim. I'm not the greatest swimmer, but I can save them. I don't have to have a perfect breaststroke, but I can save some people. So I've picked some people to save, but I'm still not sure what to write. Big picture, you know, you have to have a strategy. Small picture, this is five in five days. So I would say go with where your passion and your heart is re related to your area of expertise. Pick your audience based on who you think you really want to help. And then the same thing, what does that audience need that you are expert in, that you are really good at, that you can give them. It's sort of like if if to take your, your drowning analogy, so maybe you don't have the best breaststroke, but you're really strong, right? So you can hold that guy that weighs 300 pounds and help get him into shore. Or maybe you've got a really good reach and you can throw the life ring over to them, right? Or you can you can row your boat over there. It's it's what you have that is going to most help your audience. Yep. I would recommend for this exercise, for the challenge to think really broadly. Just just for I think it'd be more fun, but maybe you don't have to, but but just to throw the idea out there. Think really broadly about who you could help with your expertise and don't limit it just to like, well, I'm trying to attract these kinds of customers and and I don't know how to do it. Just like open your mind a little bit and 
you know, let's see if I was going to do that. So when I was doing mobile consulting stuff, I was, I mean, I was on iPhone, Android. I had every kind of phone. I had the Firefox phone, all of them. And I was really... There was a Firefox phone? (laughs) See? (laughs) There sure was. And so I was like... I was like really well versed. And the reason I had all those phones was because I would need to test stuff because I was, my expertise was in this area of um, basically responsive web design, mobile web development, but that extends to mobile UX and all of these other things. So I had, in a sense, I, I was, had a sort of T shape, they call it. So I had a lot of experience in this broad, shallow sort of way, but then I went really deep with some particular things related to mobile development. And if I was going to say, okay, I'm going to do the, the, the five in five days challenge, the publishing challenge, I know all of this stuff about mobile phones from a technical standpoint, but also from a user standpoint. So if I was going to pick an audience of, say, uh, web developers, I could probably write, I'm going to come up with five different topics. Then if I said, okay, if my audience is people like my dad, let's say, who's not a developer in any stretch of the imagination. He's somewhat technical. He likes gadgets, but he's not super technical. Um, then I would say like, okay, I'm going to have five completely different topics, like, like, um, different ways to use the keyboard on iOS, things like that, just like radically different type of content, but all still based on this expertise that I have, but maybe not the kind of expertise that I'm used to selling. That's, that's the point that I'm trying to slowly get around to here. So if you, if you're stuck and you don't know what to do and you're like, geez, I already, I know who my business audience already is and it's just very scary and it feels like risky and you, and you're, you're super, you have super bad writer's block. Just say, pick someone else, just pick someone, something fun, someone where your your level of knowledge is higher than someone else's level of knowledge, then you're qualified to help them. Again, you don't have to have the perfect breaststroke to, start to save someone. You just need to be better than they are. So that might be a tip to help you get over the hump if you're just like staring at a blinking cursor for 15 minutes. You know, there's an old line that says, uh, what's the definition of a consultant? You've done it one more time than your client, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, that kind of is it, is that you've got to be able to to shine the light for them in some way. And it's not about being the ultimate authority. It's just about knowing something that they don't or, or looking at it a different way that they haven't thought of. And so that's all it is. It's just that little, think of it as helping that audience. And I don't know, I think that takes the pressure off. Exactly. Yes, I agree. That's, and that's my hope that that would take the pressure off. And the, the nice thing about that, <laughs> I love that quote, you've done it one more time than your clients. The nice part about that, because of course you're not like a world's worldwide expert at that point, but you still have beginner's mind. So you can empathize more closely with your clients and like what they're struggling with. So those, in, though, I think, I think that is a, a perfectly valid way to go. If you're feeling stuck. I've got another suggestion if you're feeling stuck is to basically Google around looking for questions or pains. So if if you Google around and find like emotionally charged language from this audience that you, you know, would like to help. Some people really don't go online, but boy, is it a lot easier if you pick someone who does go online and you could do, I just did this yesterday with someone. He is putting together sort of a a publishing schedule he wants to start doing daily. And it's, I won't go into too much detail because I don't like to reveal too much about students, but it's in the, let's just say it has to do with coaching people on relationships in general. It's more specific than that, but generally 
that sort of a thing. He was like, geez, I, you know, I, I can't find, you know, I don't know where to look. I don't know where these people would hang out. And so I like crack open Google. I hate my boss. And boom, <laughs> like all, all this stuff came up and immediately there were all these subreddits of, I mean, there was some, it was some pretty dark stuff going on. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. And like, boom, like if you're here to help and you know, you've, you're going to pick an audience that you want to help, well, you got to help them with something. So if you kind of try to, this is just another tip to try and get you, keep you from getting stuck. If you take your expertise and you flip it over and you say, okay, what pain would this solve? So it's kind of like you're staring at a scalpel and be like, hmm, what can I fix with this? Or a screwdriver, what could I fix with this? Or a hammer, whatever. You've got, you've got this tool, your expertise, think of it like a tool for a second and say, okay, I've got this tool. What kind of pain might it help solve for someone? And then you say, well, you know, I've got this, I shouldn't have picked tools because I'm not handy at all, but uh, I've got this screwdriver and I, oh, this is a terrible example, but, <laughs> but the idea is, the idea is like, you're not going to talk about the screwdriver and like, oh, this screwdriver is amazing. It's super strong. It's, it's long. It can reach into areas. Oh, there I go. There, I just did it. It can reach, you know, into a, an engine. It's a really long screwdriver. Oh, Okay. So now you'd be like, all right, so some people that have like problems with their car, maybe they'd be, you know, maybe they're interested in uh, being able to tune up their own car or if you, and, and the complaint is, uh, so then I would Google around for people that were saying like, my car's up running rough and I hate spending all that money at the, uh, at the shop when I should be able to fix it myself or something like that. Uh, how do I, how do I get my car fixed for cheap or how do I fix my car myself? I don't want to spend all the money to take it to the dealer and Google around for those things. And you pro I almost guarantee you'll find eventually some combination of these, this flip side of your expertise, pain surge. I think Amy Hoyer calls it pain storming, which is funny. And you go around and you look for the pains and you, I almost guarantee you, you're going to find thread after thread after thread somewhere of, you know, a forum or a subreddit or a Twitter hashtag or something where people are expressing their experience of this difficulty. And then all of a sudden you can, you can make, you could probably find five questions to answer, whether they're explicit or implicit questions in that thread and just write down like your five topics. So like, Oh, you know, feeling like you don't have to waste money at the dealership because you can fix your own car or, you know, whatever, whatever else you might do with a screwdriver. I don't know why I picked that. <laughs> it's like, that's worse than yeah. sports analogies with me. <laughs> Mr. Handyman. Oh. Well, you know what, what strikes me too, is it's also an opportunity to hyper-focus on something that sort of captured your imagination. You know, like if you take a subset of your audience, so I don't know, you know, you're expert at developing software for a certain kind of systems, but you're, you're also a foodie. And so you want to really explore how chefs could use this or how restaurants could use it or how it could change the relationship between restaurants and owners and, and chefs. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that, that it gives you an opportunity, especially five and five, it gives you an opportunity to go down a little bit of, rab of a rabbit hole just to try it. And especially if you're doing it in social, you know, social is by definition a place to experiment and play with some of the stuff. Mm. It's almost like a, a trick that you can do to take your expertise or your discipline, sometimes I call it, and then intersect it with a vertical or some kind of market segment or basically segment of humans. So you, I would say like, um, if I probably know more about using a computer than 
most knitters, let's say, just to use my wife as an example, if I, she actually knows more about the computers than me, but let's just say like, okay, I know how to use computers. I mean, I'm a software developer. I have been a software developer, so I know a lot about computers. Uh, okay. So I've got this area of expertise and, and I want to do a series of um, emails called using your computer to further your knitting career or something like that's what I'm like software. I don't want, I almost want to say software development for knitters, but that's not it. It'd be something even farther outside of my core area of expertise, but still something that I know a lot about. So it could be, you know, actually, uh, how to make, how to make knitting patterns in, in design or, you know, there you go. Yeah. 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 Desktop publishing for, for knitters. There you go. Boom. There it is. Desktop publishing for knitters. I totally, could tell you all of the all of the programs that you might want to use, a bunch of different ways to do it. I could probably create a template for people because I know that knitters who make patterns, first of all, can sell them, but they also like to give them away for free or use them as promotional material for, you know, a yarn dye or somebody else that's adjacent to them in the industry. And there's this like, but I don't know how. I don't I'm sure there are plenty of people who don't know how to make a PDF, which for me is like how do you not know how to make a PDF? But yeah, so, even, but, even I, I know that one, <laughs> but so just, just some basics of like, Oh, here's, here's a template. Here's where you'd fill it in, put a photo here and you know, whatever. The thing that I'm trying to hammer on here is like, it doesn't have to be for this exercise. It doesn't have to be like your main thing. Cause somehow that tends to paralyze people because it's like, they get too like, they get too into the weeds and they're like, Oh, it has it, to be it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah. There's too much. Which thing do I pick? It's almost like a, there's just too many things to choose from and they don't know where to start. It's like just focus on the focus on an audience that you're like, oh, yeah, I could totally I could totally teach someone in five lessons how to create knitting pattern PDFs. You hit on a word teach. Maybe maybe that's a way to think about this. If you haven't done a lot of publishing before is what do you want to teach? And we've talked about who you want to teach, and then it's what you want to teach. And if you think of it in that teaching way, I feel like it taps into our deepest generosity, Mm -hmm. right? It's like passing on knowledge, and it feels just as good to us to do that as it does to the person that's learning it. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Super fun. Yeah. Do you you want to... um, talk more about that or do you want to go and talk about other ways to use what you're going to develop in these five days what do you think Jonathan um I feel like I'm going to start beating a dead horse on the on the like don't write for the algorithm write for a person just help them you don't have to be perfect this isn't forever you don't need to be the world's best all you know all of that stuff find pains find questions and just answer them. It's so much easier to answer a question because when you're answering a question, it's coming from a person. So you automatically know what level of specificity to use. You, you get a sense of how to communicate with an individual. It's tougher. You, you, it's tough to know how to communicate with like anonymous masses. Like you don't know where to start. I mean, you, if you really, really were thinking like way too broadly, you wouldn't even know what language to use, right? Like, how could you even start? Should I write this in, should I write this in Spanish or should I write this in English or British English or, you know, <laughs> like if you have to pick who you're talking to, to know what words yes. to use. Yes. Well, and I think the other thing here is, um, I just want to make it clear, you know, sometimes writing isn't your thing. Um, I have clients who are amazing on video and they use video as their primary mode of communication so video is the same the same concept it's think about all the videos you watch on youtube that show you how to do something i learned how to scrape popcorn ceilings 
from watching videos. I learned how to, to sew this specialized thing. I learned how to decorate a basket. I mean, I've learned a million things by watching YouTube videos. So yeah, so it's also don't get hung up if, you know, just writing isn't your thing because you can do video. And when you do video, you can even rip off the audio and make that available, whether it's on a podcast or just an audio recording on your site or in social. You know, you can multi-purpose this stuff. So I, I love the idea of being able to leverage what you do in, in multiple ways. I don't want to get too far ahead of this. The important thing is publishing in five days, but I want you to see that it doesn't just have to be this drop in, in the ocean, that it can actually lead to more. Mm -hmm. If writing's not your thing and maybe video is not your favorite video, if you're going to do video, don't, don't go nuts with like, you'll never get it done in five days. If you're like, go too nuts with the lighting and whatnot, just like oh, just yeah. open your computer and talk into the camera, yeah. and, you know? Low so, production value, just do it. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing you could do, I haven't really, I'm sort of just bringing this up on the fly. So tell me what you think, Rochelle. But I, I could imagine uh, scheduling five interviews with people who are in this sort of target market. Like I want to set up um, a, a 15 minute phone call with, with five knitters. Like pick someone you definitely know five of, which I definitely know five knitters. And just like book out five phone calls you have a premise, like the premise is we're going to talk about creating knitting patterns or their experience creating knitting, knitting patterns or something like that. And then just jump on a phone call with them, hit record and boom, podcast. I love it. Cool. Don't get intimidated about it. These are real people. Just do it. And and the, the more raw it is, a lot of times the more your audience is going to love it. Yes, that is absolutely I mean, true. Yeah, I mean, I think about the podcasts that I listen to, and I'm not talking about the really high-end ones, but where there's there's they have music, and then they have this long introduction, and I'm just like, all right, already, just get to the point. <laughs> I <laughs> don't, don't worry need to about all to a that. sax solo. I know, I know, exactly. Get to the point. Just dive in. Just be you, and you may be a great interviewer, or or you might just talk. I mean, Jonathan could do that. I would have trouble just like sitting there talking for 30 minutes, but Jonathan, I know you could. So it just depends on what your jam is and what you do kind of as naturally as breathing, whether that's writing, whether it's video, whether it's audio, or maybe you push yourself a little bit. Maybe you've been writing for a while and you go, you know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast. I'm going to use this as an excuse to try it. Just dive in. Yeah, absolutely. I imagine as you're listening to this, if, if I were listening to this, I would immediately be gravitating to one or the other. It would just, I would just feel, oh, that one, mm, I'm feeling stressed out listening to the video one. I'm feeling stressed out listening to the writing one. And then as soon as, as soon as you get, they got to the podcasting one or the, the recording and audio call, all of a sudden I was like, oh, that I could do that. That's easy. Yeah. It just all depends what, what your jam is. Yeah. What your mode, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a client the other day about who was feeling like he had to hit all the modes and you don't have to. I mean, you start with what you're really good at, what comes naturally to you. And as you work on that and you, you know, you kind of get into that comfort zone with that, that's when you start to leverage that in other, I guess, modalities might be the word. So, you know, if you're doing a lot of video, you know, you might have some audio. I, I, it's funny. I was listening to a podcast the other day. There's a uh, Oprah Winfrey Super Soul Sunday podcast. I thought, oh, that's great. Well, what, what I realized about 30 seconds in is it's just a recording of something that's been 
on camera. So it's not ideal as a podcast because it's missing a few things that you, you know you wouldn't do if you were recording it as a podcast, but it was still really good. Right. And so what did, what did that take for them to do that? Not much. Right. Right. You're repurposing an audio file. The possibilities are very interesting. I'll, I'll say though, that I didn't even start really thinking about that until I had already blogged every day or emailed every day for three years and then started to be like, you know, I started doing these videos. I can't, and then I could just rip the audio off them. And, and I, when I record the videos, I know that I'm also going to rip the audio. So I try to stay away from anything that's like uh, this or that, like I'm pointing at something that you can't see in the audio. And I haven't done it, but I could certainly for like, I don't know, like a penny a minute, I can get it transcribed and then turn that into a, turn that into a piece or just like write a piece as soon as I finish it. You can come up with these like video first workflows, or I know people that do audio first workflows, or you could do text first workflows and then just read them and turn it into podcast episodes. Cause a lot of people in your audience, just like, just like for you as a publisher, you probably have a mode that you prefer video, audio, text, the audience members, I hate the word consumers, but the audience members are like probably the same way where some just way prefer, like I have, so it's like a 50, 50 breakdown of like people who like, Oh, I prefer reading. I can read way faster than I can listen. I'd rather read it. And then other people who are like, Oh, I can't stay focused on the reading. I, I'd much rather just like put my earbuds in and listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube channel uh, you know, on my phone. To me, that feels like 201, you know, this is 101. Where it's like, just just get the publishing done. Get get the feel for it. <laughs> feel what it feels like. The thing that I really want people to feel is the feedback. So yeah, yeah. That, that's when you it's know. Addictive. That's when yeah, it really is. And it's it can feel hard if you don't already have an audience, right? So let's say you're you you've decided that you're gonna tweet this stuff as a series of tweets, and that's gonna be the way you do it, just for that heck of it. So, and if you've got, I don't know, a hundred people following you, not that many people are going to see it. So you can get that feeling of crickets, but there's the flip side of that, which is, isn't that great? You can experiment without having, <laughs> you know, this giant audience of people who want to take you to task. So I think the key is to, is to just put it out there and to have the, the feeling that we all have when you hit that publish button it's that little jolt of, of maybe fear, a little jolt of excitement, a little jolt of anticipation. And that's really critical because until you put it out there, you don't have a point of view. You've got to put it out there and start to get to get feedback. Yeah. If you're not publishing it, you're just playing air guitar in your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I may have told the story before, but I'll get this idea to write about something and I'll sit there and I'll toss it around in my head for like five or 10 minutes. And then I'll go, I don't know if there's enough. And then if my husband's around, I'll, I'll use him as a sounding board. He's like, just write, just <laughs> write. I was, it's like, you always figure it out when you write. I'm like, Oh, duh. And so then I'll start to write it and I'll figure out through that, whether there is something there or not, or it might morph into something else, but it, it's something that makes sense. So it's, you have to do it. There's just no, there's no shortcut. You just, you just have to sit down and record or write. What do you think about length for these? To me, I think we're talking like if it's video, you could have 60 to 90 seconds. I would say audio is probably longer because I just think for people to download audio, it's got to be a little bit longer. But I've seen some audios now that are three minutes. You know, they're short. 
And then I think writing could be, I'd say, maybe up to 500 words. I mean, not that that's a, an absolute, but it, that usually gives you enough time to develop an idea. But you and I have both written daily posts that are less than 100 words. Right. So I think it's what fits your brand. I think long form and short form both have a place. And maybe long form's good. Maybe you do a 2,000 word, five 2,000 word essays and like boom at the end. You're like, geez, I wrote, I basically wrote a short, <laughs> wrote a short book. book. <laughs> um, but one of the things that people tend to do at the beginning is they like throw everything in the kitchen sink into the first article. And it's just sprawling and confusing. And it's and so like the way, rather than try to organize that article, what I'll say to people is like, look, you just wrote five articles. They're just kind of like, <laughs> they're kind of like all blended together. So no matter how many words it ends up being, whether they're spoken or written, try and just get across one idea. So turn on one light bulb, have one insight or one tip, you know, and say like, you know, so maybe the five things, maybe it's five tips, five, five tips for making knitting patterns that you can sell online. So, you know, that where I'm, I'm like technical enough that I know how to make a PDF and I know how to use InDesign templates and stuff like that. So because it's easier to just write about one thing if you recognize that that's what you're supposed to do. If you start being like, okay, we're going to talk about these three things and then each one's like 500 words. Well, it's probably better to probably better to do as three articles in, in a case like this. Yeah. With any piece for publication, you need one central idea, one right. theme. Right. Anything more than that and, and it's a mess. And one of the hardest things for people, myself included, is when you're writing is to is to delete your babies. You know, you've got like this great line, you go, Oh, but I wanna use that. By the way, uh, side note on that, just cut and paste it, put it in a separate document where you have your outtakes. Because you might use it somewhere and you, you won't remember it when you need it. So just do that. So you don't, you're not really killing off your babies. You're just saving them for another day. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really critical to, to edit, to cut, to get right to the core and to the essence of what it is you want people to, to learn. Mm hmm. But and you just mentioned the word theme. So I, I don't think we said it explicitly. It's so it's so obvious to me. Maybe it's, maybe it is to you also that. I think it would be best for the challenge for all five of them, all five of the the posts, whatever they might be, to be on a either for a specific person. They should be they should hang together. It shouldn't be like one day you're going to blog about your kids and the next day you're going to blog about software development and the next day it's not journaling. Yes, I, I don't this think is a, this good. is for your this is for your professional development. Before you start, just decide who it's going to be for. Maybe maybe that means googling around a little bit. Maybe it means looking around your circle of friends a little bit and saying like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and take this particular person on a short journey from point A to point B using these five posts. So they should kind of hang together. They should, it shouldn't just be like a flea market of five different ideas that have no relationship <laughs> with each other. Yes. I like that. A flea market of ideas. Is there anything mechanical that we should repeat about what folks should do to participate you know just like hashtag why don't we reiterate again so what you're going to do is starting anywhere from october 28th through november 15th 2019 you're going to publish five pieces in five days and when you do that just use the hashtag pound five number five five in five 
tweet that with your topic, a link to your stuff. And so for everybody who completes the challenge, who does five in five, then between Jonathan and I, we will share those with the hashtag. And then at the appropriate point, we'll bring uh, all of you in to decide who your favorite is. Awesome. Fun. I'm excited. Yeah, I think this will be great. I can't wait to see what people write. I want to learn (laughs) some new stuff. I know. I have a feeling our minds are going to be blown. Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up. All right. Great, folks. Well, we look forward to your participation in the publishing challenge. Uh, But that'll do it for us this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.